This morning our Old Testament reading comes to us from the book of Genesis chapter 12. In this portion of Genesis, uh, God is calling Abram. Abram is um, going to be Abraham at one point, uh, but he is still known as Abram here. A, uh, the Lord is foreign to Abram, but he still Abram by faith trusts the promises of God. And when God tells him to go from his family, from his homeland to a new place, Abram trusts him and his faith is what guides him. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the oak of Moreh that the time, at that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For our epistle reading this morning, we hear from St. Paul's letter to the Roman church, chapter 4. St. Paul is addressing, this same, uh, addressing the situation of the same person we just heard about from Genesis. But he calls him Abraham, same guy. Uh, and reminding the Romans that Abraham uh, wasn't saved because he did the right things, but because he had faith in God and in the promises of God and the faith that Abram or Abraham had is the same faith that we have today. St. Paul writes, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, 
there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to rise as we hear from the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In this portion of John, Nicodemus, who is a, a, a top person in the Pharisees, comes to Jesus at night, interviewing him, acknowledging that he has done works that only God could do. And Nicodemus wonders about who this Jesus is and what he has come to do. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So you've lived your life in uh, an environment that you have known as long as you can remember. I mean, sure, the incidental parts have changed. Uh, where you've lived, who you've lived with, the kind of things you did, you've changed as you've grown, as your interests have changed, your understanding and observation have changed. 
But the basic aspects of life that are so basic that you've never even thought about them before. How you eat and how you drink is basically the same, right? You take in your nourishment through the mouth and into the stomach. How you breathe and take in the oxygen in the air comes through your nose and your mouth and enters your lungs. These are just aspects of life we take for granted. It's how it's always been. Sure, some days are brighter than others, but we have an expectation of how bright the sun can be and how dim the night can be. You know, the way that we've lived our lives for as long as you can remember is what we expect to see. But imagine with me just for a second that you were forced out of the environment you're used to. That everything that you've known for your whole life, the very basics of what it is to be alive, changes. The way that you gain nourishment is no longer how you've always done it. The way you receive oxygen is no longer the way you've always done it. The way everything interacts with you is different. Everything's brighter, everything's louder. Even the substance that surrounds you is different than it used to be. Can you imagine living in an alien, foreign environment that's completely opposite of everything you've ever known? Now this is starting to sound kind of like science fiction, like maybe being traveled off to another planet or, or, or to another dimension of space-time or something like that. But actually this is an experience that each and every one of you has had. This is what it means when you get born, right? When you go from being unborn to born, every single aspect about your life changes. The very substance surrounding you is different. How bright everything is is different. How loud everything is. How you receive your oxygen and your food and your drink is different. No wonder we cry when we've been born because we go from being in a place we've known for our entire lives to a completely foreign, weird, and alien environment. It's unrecognizable. They say that a parent's life changes the day a child is born, but think about how much that tiny human's life changes too. Going from living in the womb to living outside of the womb. Being born leads to a completely new and different way of living. I want you to keep that transition in mind. The transition from being unborn to being born. And how radically different the world is for that person. And this begins to help us understand the statement Jesus makes to Nicodemus. Jesus says to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to Jesus, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. 
The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You see there, as, as Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus, he, he, he misses the point. He actually gets stuck on this other thing that really isn't relevant. He's confused and saying, well, how is this physically possible? A person cannot enter a womb again and be born. But Jesus is calling his people to live as completely different life as that unborn baby is to a born baby. A completely foreign environment for us as we are born again. And of course, as Jesus points out, to be born again means to be born of water and the Spirit. And I hope that draws all your minds to this. The sacrament of baptism. Baptism where God places his finger upon his people. Baptism where God does give us new birth. Baptism where God changes us from as drastically as unborn to born. Baptism is a life-altering event. It changes the very fundamental reality of who we are. Before baptism, we're lost. We're dying. We're dead. But after baptism, we are found. We are living. And we are alive. That's how drastically different baptism makes us. And this is the point that Jesus is making to Nicodemus. That we, we don't just go along with the way things always were after, after we realize who we are in God. We don't just continue on living a life of sin and living a life of disagreeing with his word. But we are as different as if we were born again. Lent gives us an opportunity. Lent gives us an opportunity to reflect on what God has done for us. And what a good time for us to renew our focus on our baptisms. On that moment where God changes us. God makes us new living people. Our baptism is not just a ceremony where we get to celebrate the birth of a new child. Baptism is not just a thing that happens when you're young and you forget about it later. But baptism is a hope. It is a promise that we can and should look back each and every day of our lives and view our baptism as the moment our life changed. I am a new person because God has baptized me. And when you look in the mirror and you're frustrated with yourself and your own failures, you can say, God has chosen me in baptism. I have a new birth, a new worth because of him. When others look at you with hatred or bitterness or anger, you can look at your baptism and say, God has chosen me in baptism. 
When your expectations of other people or maybe even yourself are broken and shattered and you don't know what comes next, God has chosen me in baptism. This changes who we are. This is a new identity for us. As much as from being unborn to born, we are a new people in the waters of baptism, and that is true each and every day of your lives. So remind yourself, every moment of every day, God has chosen me in baptism. And what that baptism does is it brings us into the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It combines us with God's, in God's word. It binds us to him. So that we are his people now and forever. That we receive the benefits of the cross of Christ. That we have been saved from being dead people to being alive people, from being lost people to being found people. So each and every day, remind yourself that God has chosen you in baptism, that this is your new identity, that you are a new person because God has made you his own. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.